Chapter 11. We had been terrified a few moments before as the taxon prepared to swallow us. I had been afraid for my life and the lives of my friends. Now, as the yerk pool hung suspended in time, I felt a deeper fear. My head was still swimming from all the images the elemist had shown us. Why come here just to tell us we're dead meat? I managed to ask. We have an offer for you, the elemist said. You see, we can save a small sample of the human race. We have a planet where we would relocate you, you, some members of your family, a few others, chosen to get a good genetic sampling, as well as a few non-human Earth species that are of special interest to us. I was surprised to hear Cassie actually laugh. He's some sort of environmentalist, she said. That's what he is. We're the spotted owls. We're the rhinos. We're the whales. We're the endangered species, and he's the environmentalist trying to save us. We have a planet set aside for you, the elemist said. It will seem very much like Earth. You would be free to evolve naturally, as your species should. This is insane, Marco said. It's like Noah's Ark. The Yurk flood is coming. Load up the boat. No, Tobias said, staring at the elemist. It's a zoo. That's what he has for us. A zoo. The elemist said, "We do not impose our will on sentient species. The decision is yours. I have chosen you to decide because only you, of all free humans, know what is happening. You must decide to stay on Earth and fight a battle that you are certain to lose." Or to leave this planet behind and form part of a new colony of humans. How long do we have to decide? Jake asked. You must decide now, the Elemis said. What? I yelled. What? What are you up to? What do you mean we have to decide now? This was beyond insane. This was a dream. This couldn't even be real. I was imagining it all. If you decide the answer is yes, you and some of those you are close to will be instantly taken to your new home. If the answer is no, I will return everything to the way it was when I interrupted time. You mean we're back in the roach morph headed down the taxon's throat? I asked. Everything as it was, the elemist said. Our purpose is not to interfere. I looked at Tobias. His face showed nothing. Maybe he had forgotten how to show emotion. And our friend Tobias, Cassie asked softly. Everything as it was, the elemist repeated. Oh, that's real fair, Marco said. You ask us this just as we're about to become some taxons' lunch. This is ridiculous, Jake said angrily. You can't just tell us we have to make a decision like this. We are not the ones who should be deciding this. I mean, maybe you are trying to do the right thing for us, but this is nuts. Elemists are not interested in what is fair, Axe said. Elemists give you a choice that is no choice at all. Then they can claim that they do not interfere. They will pretend that it is a human decision. It was hard to argue with Axe's opinion. The elemist had totally rigged this decision. Realizing that made me want to resist. The elemist wanted us to say yes. He wanted us to abandon the fight against the Yurks. And yet, 
A place where we would have peace. A place where the fighting would be over. Where we could be normal kids. No more decisions. No more battles. The Elemist had said we would be with some of the people we were close to. Who? Who would be saved? I vote no, Tobias said, with sharp, angry defiance. You're using me. You're using my friend's affection for me as a tool, and I'm not going for it. Let's think this over a little first, Tobias, Cassie pleaded. I mean, just because we're upset. This decision is for the whole human race. Do you understand that? He's talking about humanity becoming extinct. Tobias, you personally have a lot to lose, Jake reminded him. If we say no, you're right back in your hawk body. So we have two votes for no, Tobias and Rachel. One vote yes from Cassie, Marco said. But I hadn't voted. Marco had just assumed. And he was right, I realized with a sickening churning in my stomach. Marco was right about me. I had to vote no. If Tobias was ready to stay in the fight, with all he had to lose, I couldn't do less. What this character wants us to do is run away, I said. He wants us to abandon our people and our planet just to save ourselves and the people we care about personally. Tobias met my gaze. There appeared a faint flicker of his old human smile. This is a decision for humans, Axe said. I fight the Yurks. I follow Prince Jake, but I do not trust this Elemist, however great his power. Guys, I know how you feel, Cassie said. But think about this. We may not even get out of this Yurk pool alive. And if we die, then what chance do the humans have against the Yurks? And anyway, he says the humans will lose. Isn't it better to save some humans rather than losing everyone? Jake and Marco still had not voted. I noticed that they were looking back toward the building we had come from, and past the building, to what looked like a tall circular column rising straight up to the rock ceiling of the cavern. The column was a mix of steel and clear glass. Inside the column was a human controller, seemingly frozen in midair. She looked like she had been falling down the long tube, or else flying up it. A drop shaft! We had used one aboard the Yurk mothership, it was a sort of elevator that worked on some invisible force that let you fall safely from one level to another. But did it go up as well as down? That was the question. Was the human control in the shaft falling or rising? Jake cocked an eyebrow at me. He looked back at the column, making sure I had noticed it. I squinted closely at the frozen controller. She had shoulder-length hair. If she were falling, it would have been swept upward. It was down around her neck. Mr. Alamist, Marco said. Thanks for your offer, but I don't think so. I don't think I want to be in your zoo. And I don't like being muscled like this. I'm glad you like Earth, but we'll take care of it the best way we can. That made it four against. Me, Marco, Tobias, and Axe. I counted Axe, even if he said it wasn't up to him. Cassie was alone in leaning in favor of the Alamist offer. You all know I take care of lots of sick animals. They are always afraid of me, even though I'm trying to help them. Are we being brave saying no? Or are we just being foolish, resisting someone who is trying to save us? What she said made me think. 
With a shock, I pictured nature films I had seen. I remembered one that showed environmentalists attempting to capture some tigers. They were trying to move the tigers to a game preserve where they would be safe. Tigers are almost extinct, and the humans were trying to save a few. But the tigers had resisted. They had growled and fought and avoided the capture nets. Was that us? Were we animals on the edge of extinction, resisting the being who'd come to save us? I wondered if I should change my vote. Save myself. Save my family. What would they say if they had a vote? My mom? She would never risk the lives of her children. She would vote yes. And my dad? If we were all magically transported to a safe place together, and I had to explain what I had done, that I had voted to save all of us and give up the fight, what would he think of that decision? You know what bothers me? I heard Jake tell the Elemist. You say the human race will lose to the Yerks, but I don't believe you can tell the future. See, you don't know how we're going to vote. If you did, you wouldn't bother to be here, would you? He looked around at each of us. Cassie smiled sadly. If you guys vote to stay, I will too. Drake reached out and took her hand. Mr. Elemist, I guess you have your answer. Instantly, we were back in our roach bodies. If you live, I will ask once more. If you live. Chapter 12 The red whip of the taxon's tongue held me glued down, helpless. Morph! Morph out! Jake yelled in my head. I didn't need to be told twice. Through the fear, I focused my mind on my own human body. Suddenly, all around me went dark. We're inside the taxon! I yelled. Focus on morphing! Jake yelled. We're busting out of here! A gush of stinging liquid, like a tidal wave, washed me from the sticky tongue. I tumbled blind and terrified through hot, viscous goo. But at the same time, I could feel that I was growing. My roach antennae brushed against something very close to me. Another cockroach, but bigger than it should have been. Demorphing! Cassie yelled. Right with you! I yelled back. Everything was closing in around me. The bodies of the others were shoved against mine as we all grew out of our roach morphs. I felt the gut of the taxon spasming as it tried to deal with the deadly growing meal. My human lungs were growing back, and as they grew they began to need air. I was suffocating. My body was not as durable as the roach form. Air! I heard Marco cry. I can't breathe! Just keep morphing, Jake said. We'll try and pop this worm open. I have my tail again, Axe said. Should I? Yes, Jake said. Do it! The darkness around us split open suddenly. I caught a glimpse of Axe's scythe-like andalite tail slicing the taxon open from the inside. Air! Air rushed in. Stinking, foul, vile air. But air. We exploded from the inside of the taxon, wrapped in its guts, covered with green-blue slime. We were not fully human yet, still some awful melding of human and bug, but we were finishing our demorphing as fast as we ever had. Air! I sucked it into my still-forming lungs. The taxon lay ruined and reeking all around us. 
the room full of human controllers eating dinner, was no longer frozen by the Elemist. Now they were frozen by sheer disbelief. Let's bail, I yelled, before they can think about it. We ran, slipping and slithering through the taxon's guts, still forming the last of our fingers and toes, we tore out of there. Get them, a human voice yelled. Get them, you fools, or Visser 3 will chew your bones! Suddenly, with a roar, the human controllers surged up and out of their chairs. Orc Bajir near the door moved swiftly to cut us off. Axe swung his tail with blinding speed. It hit the Hork Bajir in his shoulder. Head for the drop shaft, Markle cried as he led the way from the room. Everyone but Axe, if you can morph again, do it, Jake yelled as we raced for the drop shaft. We need firepower. I didn't need to be told. The only one of us who had any kind of natural ability to fight was Axe. I was already trying to focus my mind on the bear I had made a part of me. Part of me knew it was foolish. I should morph the elephant, or a wolf. I knew both of those morphs. I could handle them. But I also knew the elephant might not fit in the drop shaft. And I wanted power. Woomph! Something hit me and I went sprawling across the dirt. A man stood over me. A grown man. He had slammed into me. For some reason, this outraged me. What kind of creep would hit a girl half his size? Of course, I knew the answer. I knew that man was not really a man at all, but a controller. The yerk in his head didn't know or care about chivalry. The man bent over me and began to put his hands around my throat. Suddenly, he only had one hand. Ah! He cried, falling back. Thanks, Axe, I said. We are trapped, he said. I looked past him. The others had all reached the drop shaft a hundred feet away. Between the two of us and them was a small army of human controllers in hork As I watched, Marco and then Cassie were swept up the drop shaft. Only Jake was still standing there. He looked back at us with an expression of horror. Jake, get out of here! I screamed. We'll be okay! Several of the controllers began closing in on Jake, but most of them only had eyes for Axe. They could see he was an Andalite, the deadly enemy of all Yurks. I don't know what they thought I was, still dripping with tax on goo. Suddenly, a pair of hork warriors rushed at us. Their bladed arms slashed the air. They came at us like a pair of chainsaws on high speed. Axe struck, but the hork were too fast. Ah! There was a deep gash down Axe's flank. He struck again and again, his scorpion tail almost invisible. The human controller stayed prudently back, as much afraid of getting sliced and diced by the angry hork as by Axe. But more hork were rushing up, and Axe was losing ground. Then, I realized I was no longer afraid. A deep confidence had welled up inside me. Utter confidence. Utter fearlessness. I realized I was no longer standing erect. I was on all fours. When I looked down, I expected to see my two hands splayed in the dirt. Instead, I saw massive paws, coarse dark brown fur, black claws, each like the point of a pickaxe. I had become the bear. It was his confidence I felt. It was his total lack of fear. I was an animal that had never, in a thousand generation of grizzly bears, known an instant of real fear. Suddenly, I felt a terrible pain in my shoulder. One of the hork had slashed me. 
I glared with nearsighted eyes and saw nothing but a tall blur. I had never morphed the bear before. I had never learned to control its brain, its instincts. The bear mind was focused completely on one basic fact. It had been challenged. There was exactly one response to being challenged. Attack. <laughs> I roared. I charged the hork He cut me again. It didn't matter. I barreled into him, 800 pounds of very angry grizzly. The power. I was a truck doing 70 miles an hour. I was a tank. I was the largest carnivore on land, and nothing, nothing challenged me and survived. I could barely see the hork through the bear's weak eyes, but I smelled him and felt him, and I swung my massive paw and hit him full in the chest. I struck him with a blow that would have knocked a train off its tracks. The hork went flying. More came. More discovered why part of the Latin name for the grizzly species is Horribilis. I barely remember what happened next. I gave myself up to the bear's rage. Its anger and my own became one. All the tension within me, all the uncertainty, all the doubts were swept away as I gave myself up to the bear's violence. I remember that at some point, Jake got into his tiger morph and joined the fight. And I have flashing images from my memory of terrible destruction, of ripping claws and crushing jaws. But the next thing I clearly remember is flying up the long drop shaft, while Jake's voice in my head kept saying, Rachel, morph out! Morph out! You're out of control! You are out of control! Morph! I was clawing wildly at the air, trying to kill the tiger that was suspended above me in the drop shaft. Trying to kill Jake. I felt as if I had snapped awake from a dream. Slowly, as we rose toward the surface, I left the bear and returned to myself. The soaring rush up the drop shaft seemed to last forever. The drop shaft entered solid rock, and as I rose, I shed the last of my bear form. I felt the return of my human reason, but I was still confused and disconnected from what was going on. Then, quite suddenly, I was at the top of the drop shaft. I stepped off onto solid concrete. The others were all there. Axe was trying to morph into his human body, but he was having trouble. Morphing is exhausting. Morphing rapidly from one form to the next more than once makes you feel like you want to just crawl in a corner and die. I knew how he felt. I stumbled from sheer weariness as I stepped onto the cement floor. It was dark, with just enough faint light to see the faces around me. Careful, Cassie said, taking my arm. We're okay, we're safe. We're in the base of the water tower behind the school. Gotta get out of here. Yerks will be watching. Yeah, they were, Marco said. He jerked his head over to the corner where two human controllers lay unconscious. Let's get out of here, Jake said. You okay, Rachel? Yeah, tired is all. I... I never morphed the bear before. Didn't have time to get control. Sorry. It's okay, Rachel. That grizzly got us all out of there. But get some rest, huh? Yeah, rest would be nice. Somehow, I made it home. I crawled into my bed and fell instantly asleep. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Experience. This is your host, Daniel, and I'm a little tipsy right now. I... I had some whiskey. It was very good. 
and uh, it's very late. I should be a bed. It's past my bedtime, but I needed to wrap this up because my recording schedule this week got a little weird. Uh, so I gotta finish this up before uh, you know it's time to post. So I'm doing that, even though it's late. I figured I'd just uh, knock out this recording, put it all together. You know, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. Um, so thank you for listening. Chapter 12 got a little weird in the recording. Uh, it's it's kind of a fun story. So I looked up a bunch of stuff for making the LMist voice and learned a bunch of new things to do with Audacity. And it's very fortuitous that I did that because my chapter 12 recording ended up being corrupted. And I wasn't going to re-record that at like 10.50 p.m. Um because I have work in the morning, but uh, those techniques that I learned to do the Elemist voice turned out to help restore some of that damaged audio. So if it sounds a little flat in some areas, I think it sounds okay. Listening back while I was editing, it sounded maybe a little flatter, but only because I was looking for it. Uh, sorry about that, but should should be fine. And I'm just going to pat myself on the back for that. I just wanted to share that because I'm proud of myself. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more, visit audiomorphs.podbean.com or search Audiomorphs on iTunes. If you use iTunes, go ahead and shoot me a review, a rating, a subscription. If you don't use iTunes, or if you do use iTunes, go tell a friend about this. Uh, If you think they would like Animorphs and being read to like a little child. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna... Oh, man, I was gonna shower today. I don't think I got time. It's late. I'm very tired. Um, Good night, everybody. I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>